welcome back to the Very Short Introductions podcast. From public health to Buddhist ethics, soft matter to classics and art history to globalisation, we'll showcase a concise and original introduction to a wide range of subjects for wherever your curiosity may take you. So here is today's Very Short Introduction. Hello everyone, my name is Jack Goldstone. I'm the Hazel Professor of Public Policy at George Mason University in Virginia. And I'm here to talk about my very short introduction to Revolutions, published by Oxford University Press. Now, this book is about political revolutions, the great crises and changes in regimes from ancient Greece and Rome all the way up to the Arab Spring and today's color revolutions. I write about what causes revolutions, how revolutions have changed across history, and about their leadership and outcomes. I should say that I got started in the study of revolutions, not because I wanted to be a revolutionary, even though a lot of my friends and colleagues find that's what's most exciting. My question really is the big question about history, the same question that people are asking today when they look at Russia and Vladimir Putin. We ask, how is it that bad governments survive? And what leads to the big crises and changes when governments fail? Now, the answer to that question is complicated, to be sure. It's not any one thing. But in the book, I try and make it as straightforward as possible. I show that it takes several different conditions coming together in order for a state to be overthrown. Now, revolutions don't always happen the same way. Some are violent and some are not. And I have to say, revolutions don't always bring the same outcome. We've had revolutions that produced democracies, certainly our own American Revolution, the revolution in France in 1789, eventually. But arguably, most revolutions have created new and often stronger dictatorships, particularly the communist revolutions that occurred in Russia, China, Cuba, and other countries. But in fact, understanding the variety of types of revolutions is really the key to understanding how revolutions have changed across history and how revolutions have changed our world. But to get back to the question of what causes revolution, what makes states fail, there are common elements across history. And I find it's a combination of five factors that make revolutions possible in vulnerable states. The first is financial weakness of the government, as in a major debt crisis or economic crisis. There have to be elites, political, military, business elites that are in opposition to the government and often divided among themselves. There also need to be widespread popular grievances, not just one group that's unhappy or angry. Instead, it takes a coalition across different groups, whether that be peasants and workers or urban and rural groups or even different ethnic or religious groups that have to come together in order to create a revolution. The last two factors are a motivating ideology or narrative. People have to have a story that persuades them that change is worthwhile and will produce something better. And lastly, there has to be international engagement and support. It turns out that revolutions are always international in their causes and consequences. No state is an island and the degree of help or support for revolutionaries or for the state can often determine the outcome. 
Now, I should say that one of the striking things about revolutions is how much the past still influences today. I show in the book how the revolution of 1688 in Great Britain, even though it's more than three centuries away, gave us the critical ideas of the Constitution that are in our US government today, things about limiting the power of the ruler, uh, things about how to make sure that the people have a voice in government. Revolutions, after all, are really about the people's voice and finding ways to make sure that the people's voice remains a part of government has always been a factor in how revolutions conclude and how they rebuild the state. It's interesting that in the modern world, even states that are communist still try and affect what people think and influence their voice. And the difference between dictatorship and democracy often turns out to be how effective the government is in shaping what people think versus how effective people are in expressing their own views. And what we learn from history is that eventually the views of the people are the ones that prevail. It may take a while, it may take a decade or two, but part of the excitement of studying revolutions is finding how people find their voice, how they organize, how they come together, how leaders emerge that express the popular desire for change and how they are able to create a new state and move their history forward. Now, I hope this has sparked your interest in learning more about revolutions because revolutions have always been a motor of history, shaping the state and political systems. And most important, they are not going away. We ask if Russia will have a revolution to turn out Putin in the wake of the Ukraine war. Or we, of course, ask if China's Communist Party will remain in power for another few decades, or will it prove vulnerable? Will the current global wave of democratic reversals continue? Or will there be another wave of democratic revolutions in the coming decades? And will they be violent or nonviolent? Well, I've tried to answer these questions as best we can offer from both the study of history and the theory of revolution and social change in this short book on this complicated but fascinating topic of revolutions. Thank you for listening to the Very Short Introductions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast app to receive new episodes directly to your feed. All of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at OUP Academic. Thank you.